0: What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the January 20th edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco, you can call me John, and I am joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the courtside king, my good pal Joey. What's up, buddy?
1: How's it going, guys? Welcome to the show here, John. It has been a crazy week in gaming and esports, and this show is just going to get crazier as we go.
0: Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we're all here for the same reason. The biggest gaming news of the absolute decade Joey, Tilted Towers is back in Fortnite. I mean, that's why everyone's gathered here tonight. You know, it's, it's, it's a big map revamp once again for Fortnite. It's going to be absolutely fantastic because nothing else in the world of gaming happened in the past 72 hours. Absolutely nothing at all. Uh, Nation, if you follow the show on social media, you would know I'm lying. Uh, so make sure you follow the show on social media at Facebook and on Twitter at LevelUpLive. That's at LVLUPLive. And while you're on Twitter, follow Joey for all of his spicy takes. He has all that Microsoft Insider uh, information, um, except for what happened on Tuesday. That caught him off guard, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. And follow myself at Fiasco as well on Twitter. Uh, We will provide you all the entertainment for gaming and esports news that you will need. Uh, Don't follow anybody else. It's it's not important. Uh, But Nation, as always, the best place to catch the show is live Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Twitch. But we understand you guys got things going on in life. It's completely cool. That's why we have a podcast version for you as well. The Level Up podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And anywhere else you can pull an RSS feed for a podcast, we are there for you. Just look up the Level Up podcast and you will find it there. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, do leave us a review. Reviews do go a long way, not only helping us make the show what you, our listeners and viewers, want the most, uh, but gives us that critical feedback so we can fine tune things here and there for you. And as always, uh, super fan option is always there as well. Super fan being a Patreon, uh, we do have Patreon. It's patreon.com slash OTN. Check it out, uh, and you can be a super fan. It's not required. Just tuning in, listening, watching is is plenty enough. We do appreciate your time here on the live show and on the podcast. But if you do want to take that next step, we're not going to say no. Patreon.com slash OTN. All right, Joey. It is Thursday. A lot of stuff has happened. Uh, Rumor has it we have someone joining us here today. So how about you break down what in the world are we talking about today on Level Up?
1: Absolutely. We're going to kick things off with an interview, which will be introduced shortly. And then after that, we're going to slide into that gaming and esports news that we talked about. Activision, Blizzard, and Microsoft, on there tying the knot for a 67.8 billion dollar price tag so we'll be touching on that one a little bit from there we're going to dive into a couple other things as far as what that deal means what does it mean for playstation players especially call of duty now moving under one umbrella how does that all shake out so we'll break all that down we'll look at a few new trailers that dropped this week as well for playstation players the new horizon forbidden west trailer lego star wars finally has a trailer and a release date the cuphead show on netflix a new trailer and much more
0: Absolutely. So, uh, Level Up Nation. If if you've been with us here before, uh, you know the next segment is drink of choice. Uh, something we do off air before we come online is is we always offer our guest who is joining us uh, the chance to participate in this time honored tradition uh, that has been passed down from generation to generation. It's it's completely unique. No other show does it. Uh, the drink of choice, and our guest today has agreed to do the drink of choice. Uh, albeit the guest is under the age of 21, so it will be uh, not an adult beverage. I know, keep the booze to a minimum. Uh, he, you know, we, we, we don't want to offend him or anything. Uh, so we'll go ahead and do that. So let's, Joey, let's just go ahead and introduce our guest since we have to do the drink of choice here with him anyway. Joey, uh, he, not only is he a member of the OTN Discord and the OTN community, uh, but he's also the 2020 Arkansas State League of Legends champion. For his high school, which was very impressive as well. He is currently the number one Zoe in the world uh, for League of Legends. That's pretty impressive. And the number one Aurelian Soul in North America as well. Has an absolute fantastic record in League of Legends. Has played all throughout the semi-pro circuit as well. Winning awards all over the place. A very talented player. Uh, Joey, we've had the honor of playing multiple gaming titles with him. Uh, On his journey into the collegiate scene now for League of Legends. Joe, let's go ahead and bring on... and and See, I I almost said it. I almost used the wrong gamer tag because, again, when we first met him, he was going by Clue. But now we are going to bring on to Level Up Live for his debut, the one he's been asking for for years. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Jackson Kasperzak of Morningside University, the mid laner for their League of Legends team, a.k.a. The Prophet. Prophet? Jackson, I don't know what you want to call it, so I'm just going to call you Clues. It's it's going to happen like the entire interview. Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. I know this was something that you were looking forward to as well. Uh, We're really uh, interested in in, in picking your brain here, especially since the high school scene for esports is still developing And now here you are taking that, winning at a high level, moving into college. So it's a very unique opportunity here for us as well, having someone that's gone on this journey uh, in the non-traditional esports way of just being signed by a big ord, then boom, you're on the big stage. Uh, So thank you for joining us here. And uh, we'll just jump to the drink of choice here real quick. Uh, We're going to let our guest go first. Jackson, uh, uh, unless you want to go last, I'll, I will let you pick. I, I,
2: we're good. We're going to go first. Gonna we're going to go first. first. All right. I have my morning side issue water bottle as really the true college student way we can't afford. We can't afford drinks. We drink water. <laughs> and in true Gen Z fashion, if I get peckish, I have some Tide Pods and I'm ready to go. <laughs>
0: love it i absolutely love it uh that is absolutely fantastic uh joey uh how are you gonna follow up the uh morning side bottle mixed with a hint of tide pod
1: uh i switched things up this week i'm drinking a double ipa from aslan brewery go figure back to the aslan vibe uh this is vogue mania it's kind of like a fruitier flavor so it still has that ipa crispness to it but it still brings in like some pineapple notes and mango so good so good so tropical, I hate the Wait, fact you're going to pretend that sponsored. I know what any
2: of those words mean You <laughs> said a
1: lot of them we're going to pretend I'm all into like craft beers nowadays, so I'm just mm-hmm. all about that nice little flavor, but yeah it's just it's got a really good flavor profile, nice refreshing drink, John, how about yourself?
0: I, I just hate the fact that you keep plugging that brewery and we're not sponsored by them yet. maybe one day maybe uh, one so day. in honor of our guest being under the age of alcohol beverages and like i'm trying to be respectful, joe you're literally drinking a beer in front of our guest um. Mountain Dew, because nothing says esports like Mountain Dew. All right, hey. so as <laughs> simple as that, Joe. Let's go ahead and kick off our interview here with Jackson. Uh, so first off, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of curious your own mindset. Obviously, mm. video games has played a very big role in your life. Uh, growing up, uh, we have had the honor to see some of your amazing YouTube videos uh, from the early days uh, of of your Minecraft era. Uh, through Overwatch, now into League of Legends, you go on to high school, you discover your high school in Arkansas has an eSports program, has right. a League of Legends team. Um, at that moment when, when you joined that team, were, what went through your mind? Did you think that this was a viable way for you to possibly go on to the next level in college?
2: I mean, when I heard about it, I was thrilled. Uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot of high schools in America right now, and it's getting more and more every day that you can go into a school and you can say, I'm going to play esports and it's going to be a varsity sport. And that's like, that's incredible first off the bat. And even from just like a school stem, but you're going to a new school and you have this whole, this whole group of this community, like right away. And those guys that graduated that lot, whenever I got there my sophomore year, I was not able to play for that first half of the year. I got there too late, but my junior year, I mean, all those groups of guys were great. And I think it's really similar to traditional sports in the sense of that team building. And that really, I don't know. Everybody, everybody was so excited to be there and it was, it was a great time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm, you know, on behalf of Joey and myself here, it's, it's been about a year or two since we've been out of high school. Um, is that, is that something that, that you can actually letter in as well in high school, at least in Arkansas at your high school? Was that something that you could actually get like a, a letterman jacket like you do in traditional sports or was it just kind of like its own separate thing, but still recognized as a varsity sport?
2: I mean, technically I'm sure you could. But I don't think they weren't exactly handing out uh, varsity jackets no. to uh, to esports, but <laughs> technically it is a varsity sport.
0: Cool, sweet. So, so obviously you had a very successful high school career. Uh, now you know you are entering your senior year, uh, probably one of the uh, best times in in uh, a young person's life that high school year, uh, but also the most terrifying because you have to figure right. out what you're going to do next. Uh, and for a a chunk of people who it's right for, the next step is college. Uh, so in your case, obviously, uh, those who know you in our OTN Discord, uh, who have talked with you, follow you on social media, which, by the way, it is right below uh, his camera right there. One true prophet on Twitter. Uh, so make sure you follow him there as well. You're a big University of Utah fan. You You I grew am. up in Utah. And obviously, that was one of the schools you were looking at. But you mm-hmm. had other options as well. Take us through that process of figuring out what colleges and universities were right for you, and how you settled—not really settled—I think I think that's the wrong right. word—how you chose uh, the college you're currently attending there in Morningside. Well, first things first, college is expensive. Yes.
2: Um, <laughs> just just a little bit, and so I wanted—I really, really wanted to get a scholarship for esports, and that was that was a big deal for me. And so there's a couple of websites. I'm not super sure on the name, so we can look them up after. Look them up after. But there's a couple of websites where you you build a recruiting profile, right? Like how you have like two four seven sports for like football. There's websites like that for esports. And so for me, what I did is I put my profile on there. And actually, the way the funniest way that I actually got recruited, if you will, was my high school coach put a video, a clip from our game on Twitter, and from that. My college coach added me on League of Legends and messaged me, and we started talking, and that was kind of history. Went up for a visit, and I loved it there. I mean, it's a big, it's a long ways from home. It's like a nine hour drive, but I, I don't, I loved it here. I don't have any regrets. It's been, it's been amazing.
1: That's great, and we're glad to hear you're having a great freshman year. So, going back to the profile, though, I love the idea of this website mm-hmm. that allows you to kind of build your profile to kind of get out there and get your name out there to these different schools that might be looking at recruiting esports athletes. Uh, I'm assuming one of the things you added on there was probably winning that state championship. Can you Absolutely. talk us a little bit about that and what that looked like being in a competitive setting at a high school level, but then taking it to a championship level as well?
2: I think the championship level really we were greater than the sum of our parts. Again, you are still playing, even if it is in Arkansas, you are still playing at the highest level of esports that is available. And so being able to, it's very much a team environment. And that really does show. Again, you can't just stick any five random players together. You guys actually have to be able to work together. And I think that was huge. We really had great team chemistry. Again, I still talk to a lot of the guys from that team to this day, super close friends. And so it really is, it's just very similar to traditional sports and that team building, that team environment. And that's absolutely important to winning a state title.
1: Now, any team or any coach is going to have a different philosophy on this, and I'm curious to hear yours. When we look at pro players, they always go back and forth like, should we be grinding solo queue? Should we be putting more time into scrims? What's the best way to develop that chemistry on your perspective for a team level? I think if you're
2: talking about chemistry in that very specific sense, I think a lot of it, just as much as it is in game, like knowing how people play, I think just being friends with the people around you and knowing them better as people like I mean there's a reason we have all these gaming houses that chemistry like on and off the rift if you want to call it that is absolutely huge and I think that's just as valuable as having that time just to spend with the people in general but absolutely I would argue team play is absolutely huge for even approving like as an individual player team play has helped me way more than solo queue ever will
0: yeah, absolutely. And and now let's go and transition back to college now. So, uh, so obviously you have a very accomplished high school career. Uh, you have earned yourself uh, a scholarship to go to college, uh, which, let's be real here, uh, is the dream. Uh, playing right. video games, going to college, getting that higher education, whether it's a partial scholarship or a full scholarship. Uh, it is very true what you said here in the beginning. College is expensive, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Even in-state, much more out-of-state. So- you have a scholarship now. You're going to college. Your freshman year, uh, for some college mm-hmm. kids out there, freshman year is a massive moment in one's right. life. You're away from your family. Uh, in this case for you, you're nine hours away. Right. You have that transition to more of an independent life mm-hmm. where you're a little bit more responsible for your classes, for what you do in your daily routine and your life. Right. And you also have to now balance your commitment to this League of Legends team, to this right. eSports team. Talk, as, talk to us a little bit about um, what that transition has been like for you going from a scene like in high school where obviously you're surrounded by friends and family, now you're right. in college, and you have this big commitment on your shoulder that you have agreed to, uh, and in return you're getting that scholarship opportunity as well. Right. Talk to us a little bit about that transition period and what that means to you right. going forward. That transition, I think what you're talking about is absolutely
2: huge. Uh, I mean, again, if it doesn't work out for you, a lot of people can drop out after their first semester of college. And it's a really tough time if you can't get your feet underneath you. But I think the community at Morningside, in the esports program especially, was something that really just like hit me like a truck in the best way possible whenever I stepped on campus, like straight away right before, because I took a visit up for spring break. I came, took a visit on campus. But the second I stepped foot on campus, it was just it was a community. It was great. And that support was like absolutely huge. I mean, it's crazy to be able to come in and just have like friends right away. And I think as someone who absolutely like struggled with that middle school, I think coming in and college, it's just been it's been amazing. It's been this community. And like I said, it's very similar to high school in that sense where you have these friends and you're doing stuff with them on and off, whether it's 430 calf or. Whether you're going to restaurants for team building, I mean, it's great. And college has been great. And that transition really has been made a billion times easier by the fact that you have that community waiting for
0: you. So obviously, you know, you are a student athlete. Um, How do you balance that responsibility of – you know, going to class, doing your homework, getting what you need to be done on the academic side, but also find time to make sure you are going to your team practices. You right. are putting the time and effort in, whether it's video review or those team building sessions, like you were mentioning. Right. Um, What is that life balance like for you in your first year? The life balance, I think, is a really important
2: thing to figure out and figure out quickly. And I think Having the structure of a practice schedule almost helps more than anything else. It's not something that you're worried about happening, but you can plan around it, especially when your schedule is set in stone, which is really, really nice and really concrete. And you have college. There's a lot of lot of stuff to do, but there's a lot of free time, too. And I think that's where you either you make or break it. And that really has been the biggest thing is you have this structure. You have your structure in your classes and then you have your structure in your practice schedule. And having the free time around that to work for classes and balance being a student athlete is absolutely important.
0: Absolutely. So uh, I guess if, if there's uh, a high school student watching or listening to the show a little bit later on, what is the biggest piece of advice you can give them uh, looking forward to that next step if they do want to take that same journey that you're on going from high school esports to the collegiate level? What's the biggest piece of advice you could give them?
2: I think that's a really tough question to answer because there's a lot of things that I could say about that. But I think really the biggest piece of advice that I would give is just be consistent. I think be consistent in your practice and your play. Practice makes perfect. As stereotypical as that may sound, I think that really does apply here, even in esports. And having that consistency to go into every game with the intention to get better and just the goal of improvement, I think, is really what's going to come through And then as far as from a college standpoint, be a good person too. get your exposure out. I mean, Twitch streaming is huge. I don't know. I mean, it can literally be anything. Anything can get you exposure at the next level. It could be a tweet. It could be a connection. And so I think it really does come down to both practice and just being a good person in general.
1: So now that's obviously the higher level players, those players right. looking to compete at a high school level or a college level. Uh, what about someone like John or I, who is not quite at that level of play? Do you have any advice for those people in particular?
2: As far as like playing in college or just playing in league in general?
1: More like a newcomer, someone who's maybe struggling to get out of those lower ELOs, like a mm. bronze or a silver, maybe even a low gold. Do you have advice for them on a daily basis? Cause they can't put in that hours upon right. hours of practice. Right. They can't learn this huge pool of champions. Is there little steps that you would give them to try to improve? I think
2: one tricking a champion is something that gets more backlash than it should in League of Legends. I think as far as climbing and improving, one tricking is absolutely important. And then having a good mental in the game as far as being able to keep a level head, not as frustrating as League of Legends may be at times, and boy has this season tested me. I think it is really important to just have a level head and stay consistent in your play. And I think it's the same thing, high and low level. The way to improve is the same. It's looking at what you're doing wrong, having the ability to appreciate that you do make mistakes and that's okay, but just being able to improve, improve from that.
0: Absolutely. So uh, you had a unique experience before you went off to college right. um, with uh, the opportunity to go to kind of like a, a um, an invitation-only tryout kind of thing with right. some organization, the League of Legends um, of course I'm talking about your, your semi tryouts there with TSM. Um, and again, I feel like I'm going to say it on air cause I have no problem with it being public. I feel like the only reason you root for TSM is despite me cause I'm a cloud nine fan. I'm just going to say that, uh, as you've put your TSM hoodie just Honestly. conveniently right over your shoulder Man. in the camera shot, because that wouldn't trigger me at all. Uh, so obviously, but, but you had that really cool experience, obviously that, right that uh, scouting ground was an invitation only kind of thing. Uh, and, and obviously you were invited to it. Like your your stats speak for themselves. Your play style speaks for itself. What was that experience like, uh, you know, having that opportunity to kind of show what you can do to an organization you support?
2: I absolutely loved it. It was kind of a dream come true to be able to have that opportunity to compete on that level against other really, really good players in North America. Again, I believe – a couple of players from that invitational actually are starting on TSM Academy right now, and so just being able to play against those players and play in that environment again, there was a bunch of TSM coaches that were there too, and so it was awesome. It was really really cool. I learned a lot, and it's it's a big it's a big step, right? Even if you don't end up going anywhere, how, like how cool is it to say that you played on like a scouting grounds for TSM? And I think that's what it comes back to to me. Not that my grandkids one day are going to be like, man, grandpa really played on the TSM scouting ground. That's crazy. But like, I think just the ability to have that like in your back pocket to fall back on. It's just awesome. It was a really cool experience.
0: Now, Jackson, I (laughs) if that conversation ever happens (laughs) where you're cranky, where you (laughs) where (laughs) That is your flex story to your grandkids. I if if they even know what League of Legends is, I would be very impressed. We'll, We'll just leave it there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but that that was that was a really cool experience. I remember, uh, you know, talking with you about how excited you were for that opportunity. And granted, I'm not a big TSM fan, uh, but it was super exciting to see how excited you were for that opportunity right. and how serious you took that. And uh, I think that's a testament to your work ethic as well, um, and obviously how you got to where you are now in college. Uh, but now I, I want to go ahead and, tr- and kind of transition the conversation here a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about. Uh, the new season, uh, something that you right. said is, is a little frustrating, a little challenging, but that's something League of Legends likes to do. Obviously, a, a new season comes around for League of Legends, and uh, they take a game that's 10-plus years old, they flip it on its head, they add 800 new items and, and 62 sure. new champions in a, in a two-week time span, it feels like, and you have to figure out the game all over again. Uh, Before we dive into some of the specific points of the new season, just on, I'm kind of curious, what is um, what you think are the biggest changes going into into the new season, and some of the things that uh, have have caused you a little bit of a headache, or a little, uh, uh, I don't want to say like uh, you know uh, like toxic rage or anything like that, right? But but something that gave you a headache.
2: I think the new Drakes have been something that's been extremely difficult to adapt to. I think having the Chemtech Drake, that if you get the soul for it, literally lets you stay alive after you die, is something that's been especially frustrating. The Chemtech Rift, where you have this camouflage across probably about half the map, is my most frustrating thing that I've had this season. And because it completely changes the way you play the game. And it really is something that, even for a veteran player who's been playing since season one or beta, it ch- it changes the game entirely and there's it really it levels the playing field in a way because everybody's learning and I think that's I mean season 12 champions are another big thing as far as Riot who knows how many passives they could put on one ability but I think the aspect of everybody having to learning the new get ga- the same excuse me learning the game at the same time again I think that's what you need to keep a game fresh but it absolutely can be frustrating
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can just talk to Joey all day about how much he loves invisibility, whether it's on uh, a a hero, a champion, or whether it's uh, coming from another item in game. Uh, Invisibility is by far one of his favorite things in any video game, especially if he has to go up against that person. Yeah,
1: Invisibility in Games is up there with BRs on John's list. I am just oh, not cool. a big fan. Don't do uh, but yeah, so the Chemtrak Drake, we talked a little bit about that. The Hextech Drake is also a new Drake here. Uh, have you seen the Hextech Drake utilized pretty well so far? I feel like the Hextech Drake is good,
2: but it doesn't feel... They are both getting nerfed in this patch, I believe. But it doesn't feel as like, make me want to like slam my headset on the table kind of way. But it's very much, it's, it's good, don't get me wrong but I don't think it has nearly the same level of frustration that Chemtech Drake can make.
1: Yeah, they both definitely seem like they impact the map quite a bit and we right. saw a lot of like hextech drake, drake play rather in pro play this last weekend and it seems like the higher level players are starting to catch on to it a little bit more so mm-hmm. I think we'll start to see it bleed down into the lower elos here sooner or later. The other big thing Jackson is the objective bounties. Right. Uh this is a big questionable point of right adding these in. It kind of allows, and you can explain it better than I can, but it'll allow opponents to kind of get back into the game if they fall far behind. Mm. Uh, that's been a big thing in pro play where pro players are not liking it so much. And it seems like the same thing at lower ELOs as well. I
2: Objective bounties, again, it's something that changes the game in an entirely new way. Whenever you hit a certain gold threshold that you are ahead by, it adds bounties if you get these objectives, these turrets, these dragons. And so... I'm going to actually say controversial opinion here. I really like them. I think they are good for the game because they allow any game to feel winnable. Because there's nothing worse than being stuck in a game because your teammate won't hit yes to the forfeit vote because they're throwing a tantrum. Then being, there's nothing worse than being stuck in the game and feeling like there's nothing you can do about it. And I think objective boundaries really help to get rid of that feeling because there's so much more gold on the map that you are able to come back in these games. And I think... The other bad thing, the one bad thing about objective bounties is they continue to speed up game time because the more gold you add in the game, the quicker the champs at their power spikes, and then the quicker the game is. And so that's my only negative aspect of objective bounties. But as far as like keeping a strong mental and like thinking every game is winnable, I think objective bounties are absolutely huge for that. And I've honestly really enjoyed them.
1: So let me ask you this. Have you been in a game this year or rather since the preseason changes where you feel like before those changes, you definitely would have lost the game and had the ability to come back because of these bounties in the game?
2: Absolutely. Honestly, I would say it happens at least once or twice a day. Like they're, they're probably a little bit too strong. Don't get me wrong, but they are absolutely. I think it happens all the time just because people, especially in lower ELO, even up in higher ELO, people don't know how to close out games and how to end correctly. And so the more gold there is on the map, the more comeback potential there is. And so it absolutely happens all the time.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I guess my my follow-up to that question here for you is obviously League of Legends has a bad reputation when it comes to the the overall community. Um, It's, you know, gaming community in general, while it is probably more accepting and more, uh, you know, arms kind of open to everyone Mm -hmm. feel – than I would argue most of the general public. Uh, it still has its toxic moments, and especially Great. League of Legends is known for that. Do you think these objective bounties are kind of a way to, to stem that toxicity that is you know League of Legends, where you know, you're you not being hung up by that one teammate that won't forfeit, uh, but obviously it's snowballing in a direction that you know, you're not going to be able to get out of, and you don't want to be locked in. For a 30, 40 minute game, you want to get out and start a new game and go on. Uh, Do you feel that's maybe what Riot's trying to go with here is in those unwinnable situations, there's now a path back? I think that's a really interesting point, John. And I think it can be. It can be viewed as that.
2: I think it's possible. We can look at it through the lens of, okay, if there's more gold on the map, people will maybe think it's more winnable. But I think we'll always have our toxic people who don't want to win the game regardless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's unavoidable. There's no way to get rid of that. But I think it's more Riot shifting the game up than it is looking at it from a balanced perspective as far as trying to keep people's cools in check. Because you're, again, you're going to have your people who are going to come into the game in grief. It doesn't matter what elo you play at. It doesn't Even in the highest ranks of the game, you're still going to have those people. And even with objective bounties, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. But I do actually really like the steps that Riot has taken recently, especially this season, towards curbing that toxic mentality in League of Legends. And they're really trying. It's really difficult, but I do appreciate the steps that they're taking.
0: <laughs> this is great. Sebas and Jack goes, as a toxic player, we want to win. <laughs> we just want our bad teammates to lose. True. Uh, I mean, um, <laughs> sound logic to me. Um, so uh, there was an article that came out uh I believe a couple days ago or it was either last week, talking about League of Legends as a whole as they try to market themselves right. to new players. Obviously you have Arcane being a massive success on Huge. Netflix. Huge. Um, they have your favorite band, Imagine Dragons, uh, doing the lead song uh for it. Um but a a concern with League of Legends is the uh growing entry-level gap this game has. We're over 150 playable uh, champions. We're at, uh, and I I don't know the exact number, so I apologize, but it feels like over 800 different items, and they continue to add more and more and more to make every game uh, very random and feel like a brand-new game every time you play. Um, As someone who is in the collegiate level who obviously has had success by adapting to riot changing this game every two weeks and then one major overhaul a year. Right. What is your take on the current state of the game for new players, for someone who is looking to join league of legends? Uh, do you recommend them join league of legends? Uh, and if they do, obviously it can be frustrating. What, what is something that can help them? Obviously one tricking, but what's something that can help them uh, narrow that skill and learning gap that they need to get mm-hmm. through to actually enjoy the game? I don't want to say League of Legends
2: is awful to new players, because I think that doesn't do it justice, but it's, an, it's incredibly difficult. Again, like you said, all of these changes, and even if you have this new influx of players that's coming from Arcane, Legends of Runeterra has been a huge success. Everything set in this universe. You have your mobile game, you have Wild Rift that's come out, been really successful as well. I think even if you have this player base coming in, I think it's really hard to funnel new people in the League of Legends right now especially because of the incredible toxicity that still exists in the community. And so I think Riot's focused now more than anything. Not that anybody who says League of Legends is a dying game is correct by any means, because it's still going very strong. But I think Riot balances its game around their existing players. And I think for better or for worse, that's how their marketing approach has been. But I do think they're going to be very successful in their ability to market the universe as a whole. Again, they've got a new fighting game coming out too. They had the Viego game mode that released. They released a Ziggs game on Steam. And so the approachability for the universe as a whole was absolutely huge. TFT is super approachable. I I love TFT. Uh, TFT is, I think, an example of what the League of Legends universe can be without the toxicity. Because nobody's going to blame you in TFT, I hope. And so I think really what Riot's banking on right now is not continued League of Legends growth, but continued universe and their whole collection of games as a whole.
1: I've definitely been flamed in TFT before, and <laughs> I'm going to lie. Right there, uh, right the whole spam the dance thing over my dead little heroes or champions or whatever. Yeah, I've been there. Um, but yeah, I think you make some good points. And I think the biggest issue for people coming in is really just the champion pool, like John right. was mentioning. I mean, this is a massive champion pool. It's like, what, 160-some now, Clue? It's a lot. I, I don't know the exact number, but then I guess my counterpoint to that is as Riot
2: Games, how do you encourage new players to join while still keeping the game fresh for your existing players? And I don't have an answer for that.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the things because you don't want to like keep them separated. In a sense, when they're going through tutorials, they can only play, I think it's like A RAM right. until level ten or something like that. So there is, in a sense, keeping them to pools where they're trying different things, but you can't separate them for too long either. Right. If they only learn the champion like on free rotation and then the week changes, well, oh, we don't know anyone on this rotation. So you have to throw them in eventually. It's just how do you ease them in and today? And I don't know if Ryan has a clear answer to that yet either.
2: Absolutely. And I think if you don't have a friend who already plays league of legends, it's also incredibly difficult. Again, when I started, I actually had you guys, I have you guys to blame (laughs) for getting me into league of legends. And if I didn't have at least somebody who'd played the game before, I think that learning curve, like absolutely, it grows exponentially because you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of. And so I think the easiest way to get into league of legends, going back to the earlier question is having a friend that's willing to help and willing to, not tilt off the earth when you maybe don't play the so well in your first game. When you go zero and twenty-two in Rengar in a draft game, I mean that might might not be too helpful.
0: We but. weren't going to bring that up just a <laughs> while; like we had no intention <laughs> of bringing know. that
2: game up. But I think that's what it is: is having that friend who is willing to help you learn the game. And I think that's where the good parts of the league community do come in: is having that approachability and having that that human connection to where you can have someone to help you
3: learn.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, the tutorial has gotten better over time It no longer has you building Thornmail on Ash, but it still has a lot of room to grow. So I agree. Having that friend there to kind of walk you through is definitely the best introduction. Uh, Last thing as far as the new game changes go. So we've been talking about all these champions and the growing library of champions. What are your thoughts on Zeri, the next one to come?
2: Zeri is really hard to get a handle on for me. I played one game of her earlier this afternoon. And she feels like I want to play her like an auction where you have this mid lane, this mid lane marksman where you're trying to get these flanks. Again, her dash can go over walls and it gets longer the longer the wall is. And so you can dash like whole like entire stretches of wall, but it's very difficult to get a hang on. And I think something that we see with new champions a lot of the time is they have this super low win rate on release and people don't understand them. And then Riot will buff them until they're insanely OP. And then people will be able to play them to a high success. And I think that's what we're going to see with Sari. And I think it's going to be probably at least a patch or two before we really know how good she is.
0: Absolutely. Jackson, Uh, we don't want to hold you around too much longer. Uh, I'm assuming you have homework or something uh, that that you probably need to maybe need to hit the rift, play a little more, uh, you know, try to figure out how not to snowball and then give up the, uh, or snowball, but also not give up the objective. Right. Uh, so they can get back in the game because I'll never figure that out. I've stopped playing. I switched over to TFT, and I've been a lot happier. It's a good uh, But Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. Quickly shout out your social media so everyone can give you a follow if they want to. Maybe just follow you. Maybe they're a high good. schooler. Have they have questions? Maybe they're a league player. They have questions. Uh, they're looking someone that maybe has questions about that transition into college. Where can they follow you at?
2: Absolutely, my Twitter is tw- one true profit one tru prophet, profit p r o f i t that greenwood <laughs> education really had to kick in there uh and then my and i think that switch is the easiest place to reach me if you're honest if you have any questions i am all ears Please, by any means i am always happy to help someone who needs maybe some guidance in like a collegiate sense as far as like how to look at colleges or just league of legends in general i got plenty of free time we make it work but it it's been a pleasure to be on here guys
0: Absolutely. And make sure you give his university a follow as well. Their eSports program uh, that is Morningside University as M side eSports on Twitter. Follow Jackson and the rest of his League of Legends team uh, there as they go throughout their collegiate season. Give them a follow. Watch their games on Twitch. Support them as well. Uh, Jackson, as always, it, it's, it's great uh, to finally have you on Level Up. I know it's something we've talked about for a while Honest now. Uh, so so now you've been out here, and now you're stuck. We're gonna have to have you back and check in with you throughout your True. college career now, uh, and kind of get that behind the scenes look at, into the life right. of a collegiate esports athlete. Uh, so Jackson Casper Zach of Morningside University League of Legends, the mid laner. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much, you guys. Have One more question oh. for
1: you: Where can they find your matches today for your college team as well? Those will be on the Twitch. Those will be on the Morningside
2: Twitch. Convenient little spot to plug my Twitch because I forgot about it. Twitch.tv slash profit. It's the same as my Twitter. And again, all of our games will be streamed, I believe, on Friday nights on Mside Esports. I think is what the Twitch was. Mside Sports on Twitch is where you'll be able to find all of our games.
0: I, I awesome. Will ha- thanks again for coming on. I was going to say, I'm going to hesitate a second to see if anyone in chat wants to verify that real quick. But anywho, yeah, we'll go ahead and do that, Jackson. Again, thanks for hopping on with us and we'll catch up with you later. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, Joey, you know, we've talked about it for years. We figured it'd be a good time to bring it on. Such a great story uh, for Jackson. Obviously he moved to Arkansas towards the later part of his high school career. Uh, really a late comer in a lot of sense to League of Legends, picking it up a little bit later. Uh, you know, our first interaction with him was actually in Overwatch, transitioned into League of Legends. And now here he is playing at the collegiate level for League of Legends. A really, really cool story. Uh, you know, Obviously, it's great to have him in the OTN community as well. And I know Morningside is enjoying having him as a mid laner. And I know I enjoy having him in my five stack because he carries me to victory every single time we play League of Legends. Because uh, I am plastic too. And that's completely fine joey let's go quite
1: the transition overall though just like because he was what a diamond in overwatch a diamond farah made and then he switched over now he's what the number one zoe in the world up there is number one Aurelian soul i mean that's quite the transition from an fps game to a moba game and just continuing that on here now in
0: morningside yeah you're 100 percent correct it is a very different play style and uh it's kind of like freakishly awesome how quick he picked up on league of legends and just kind of went from that 0-22 game to being the number one Zoe in the world, and number one Aurelian solo in North America. It's absolutely insane. Uh, but, again, we will check in with him throughout his collegiate career. But, Joey, we're going to go ahead and transition to the second half of our show uh, where we talk about what in the world is going on in the gaming and eSports world. Uh, Joey, uh, I'm going to let you start this off. I mean, this is – An absolutely insane story that we're about to cover. It took everyone by storm. Uh, I feel like everyone knows what we're talking about. But, Joey, let's hop into gaming and esports news.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I don't even know where to jump onto this one. (laughs) There is just so much with this. Uh, So the biggest news of the week, in case you haven't heard, I don't know how you didn't hear this, but Microsoft announced the intent to acquire Activision Blizzard. Not only just Activision Blizzard, but for a sum of sixty-eight point seven million or billion dollars, rather, I do have an M here. It is actually a B. Uh, this is the biggest acquisition in gaming history. Uh, previously, the record was broken this year when I believe it was Take Two acquired Zynga or Zynga for I think it was right around twelve billion dollars. So this one a big big jump from that, John. Almost fifty billion dollars more for this acquisition, a forty-five percent premium on the current Activision share price. Huge deal, giant deal for gaming, uh, big for Microsoft obviously being involved here, big for Activision Blizzard, uh, especially with everything going on right now as far as the lawsuits over there go. But the biggest thing is for gaming in general. You look at gaming and esports, the valuation just continues to rise, billions upon billions of dollars in the gaming industry and in the esports industry. And now really a big company like Microsoft, a trillion dollar company like Microsoft coming in and reassuring that with their biggest acquisition ever.
0: Yeah, and this is coming off of the heels of the acquisition of Bethesda. That was a $7 billion deal as well. Absolutely massive. Shook up a lot of things in the gaming industry as well. And now here comes Microsoft again dropping almost $70 billion. $70 billion. Joey, I I will never see that much money in my entire lifetime, let alone 50 lifetimes. It's absolutely absurd kind of money. And, And they're acquiring... Activision Blizzard, they're acquiring uh, a gaming studio that a lot of gamers grew up with, that a lot of gamers have a strong connection to and have really been at a crossroads with this company because of everything going on behind the scenes inside the studio with their employees. Uh, A lot of people have struggled with whether they can continue to support Activision Blizzard, play their games, and, and, and give them that money knowing what's going on behind the scenes, But this is a chance for a fresh start. This is a chance for Microsoft to come in and kind of finally get rid of those pieces that Activision Blizzard had a hard time to get rid of. The the people that maybe turned a blind eye to that toxic environment inside of Blizzard, inside of Activision. Uh, Really a chance to just kind of give them that refresh that they really need and get them set back on the right track. Because if there's one thing Microsoft has done from the start is set... High standards for workplace environment, and I think that's going to be something that they're going to pass on to Activision Blizzard and the employees that stick around after the acquisition is complete is that high standard as well. I couldn't agree more.
1: And with this deal blindsiding everyone, everyone's asking, well, why? Why did this deal happen? Well, apparently Activision Blizzard was looking for a way to continue to grow. They felt like they were limited with their current resources. So they were looking at either acquiring companies, merging with companies, or being acquired by companies. I can't confirm all of them, um, but we've heard that they approached EA as a possible merger deal, so they could have been under that Electronic Arts umbrella. Uh, now that people are hearing that, it seems like a lot of people are happy that one did not happen. Uh, there's rumors that Tencent was looking to increase their share and buy them out completely. There are also rumors of them going to Meta, Facebook over there with their new name, uh, another one that a lot of people wouldn't be too happy about, uh, at least from what we're seeing on social media. So, in the end, uh, it seems like most people are pretty decently happy with them going to Microsoft if they have to go to anyone. Uh, they didn't mention it, but I have a feeling all the allegations going on also kind of push this direction. Microsoft is a very, uh, not going to say like a rock solid company, but when you look at the trillion dollar companies, you have Apple, you have Amazon up there in that range, you have Microsoft. These are the companies that are kind of have a firmer foundation in a sense right now. Versus someone like an EA who's under current scrutinism anyway. And you have a few other issues with meta and Facebook as well. So this is kind of like a safe rock in a sense. It was a safe move for Activision. Now it doesn't necessarily mean the whole culture is cleaned up over there. There's obviously a lot of work still to come, but at least from what we've seen on the Xbox side, uh, they seem to have a lot of things well lit at the
0: corporate level. And hopefully that translates over. I mean, can you imagine if Activision actually merged with EA Uh, Obviously, like you said, EA under scrutiny uh, for other reasons, uh, like the whole loot box situation, which is something Blizzard's getting in trouble for also, and in the argument, is buying loot boxes, is buying loot crates, or whatever it's going to be called in that title, uh, or FIFA Ultimate Team Packs, a form of gambling? And if it is, um, can gamers under the age of 18, at least here in the United States, participate in that if it's a form of gambling? Um, so I think I I applaud them for not merging with EA because I feel like that would have drawn even more scrutiny uh and kind of maybe created like a really bad storm. Um, but uh at the end of the day, I think a lot of people are happy with the fact that if they are gonna be sold, if they are gonna be acquired by another company, it's Microsoft. Because I feel like there's a lot of wrong choices that companies can make during these acquisition talks. Uh and I feel like Microsoft is in a really good place and they've shown they're dedicated to advancing gaming and the accessibility of gaming and just kind of being the overall good guy in game development at the moment, as much as a corporation can be the good guy. You know, I feel like this was best case scenario for a merger for Activision Blizzard.
1: Right. And even saying independent, like that's another option here, but given everything going on in Activision Blizzard, Given the fact that they seem to keep tripping over their feet time and time again, even trying to make these corrections, it almost seemed like someone had to come in, whether it's the federal court system, whether it's another company, in this case, Microsoft. Someone needed to write the ship because they just didn't seem capable of it themselves. So I think this probably was going to be the best direction for them, uh, at least given the options that we've heard on the table so far. Next up, John, we do have a statement from Phil Spencer. Uh, This is audio. So for all the podcast listeners out there, the majority of you guys, uh, you won't have to worry about missing any video clip on this one. Uh, It's about a two-minute statement from Phil Spencer breaking down what is going on and why they decided to make this acquisition.
3: This is obviously an extremely exciting day. At the broadest level, our mission at Microsoft Gaming is to extend the joy and community of gaming to everyone on the planet, billions of people. And this deal accelerates that strategy. When this transaction closes, Microsoft Gaming will be the world's number three gaming company by revenue behind Tencent and Sony. We believe that Microsoft and our team are uniquely positioned with the technical capability, financial capacity, creative vision, and the gaming track record required to deliver a truly global interactive entertainment ecosystem. With this transaction, Activision Blizzard brings into Microsoft Gaming one of the most exciting collections of content franchises, creative teams, and fan bases anywhere in global entertainment across any form of media. Many Activision Blizzard properties, including at King, are truly beloved by people all over the world, and they will endure for many decades to come. I'll reinforce that this is not about short-term results. We have seen Activision Blizzard's product roadmap and are incredibly enthusiastic about what the teams are creating and the company's pipeline over many years to come. We have seen strong recent performance from our existing Zenimax and Xbox game studios and are well-positioned as the stewards of Activision Blizzard's great franchises. I'm personally excited for the opportunity to work directly with the dedicated passionate teams, Call of Duty, Blizzard, King, and each of the studios across the company as we reach new heights, and even more players together. We're all about putting players at the center of everything we do, and this transaction is going to be fantastic, not only for our existing players, but will also help us bring innovative experiences to vast new audiences. That's because adding the Activision Blizzard portfolio to our existing operations will also propel our new forms of distribution and monetization, like Cloud Gaming and our Game Pass subscription service. Each of these services are helping us reach new audiences, especially as we expand into new geographic markets in mobile-first economies. Upon close, we will offer as many Activision Blizzard games as we can within Game Pass.
0: So, I mean, that is very positive if you ask me. I mean, obviously, Phil Spencer is a guy uh, who loves gaming himself. He loves what he does. He loves his job, uh, which I feel like is rare now, present-day America. Uh, but uh, it's one of those things where you can you can hear his excitement in, in his voice with this merger. And, you know, Joey, we, we've been very upfront with all of our listeners and viewers. Um, you know, Blizzard is a studio that's near and dear to my heart uh, through my childhood. I'm a big Warcraft fan. I love World of Warcraft. And I, like hundreds and thousands of other players, in world of Warcraft have stopped playing ever since these allegations came to light and the evidence is there to back it up. Um, and, and it's heartbreaking for a lot of, of the fans of blizzard IP. Now, Microsoft, uh, you know, from that message, you know, we, like we as fans can be excited. We, as fans can, can possibly look forward to the day when this acquisition is complete, that maybe we can return to these games that we love, that we grew up with Uh, That mean, like he said, so much to the gamer and the gaming community. And then the fact that now these games are going to have a broader reach through the Xbox ecosystem, through Game Pass. I mean, Crash Bandicoot on Xbox? Are you kidding me? Like, that is absolutely awesome. And and some people know, I recently, uh, not for any real particular reason other than it was available, jumped ship to the Xbox uh, this uh, <laughs> generation because of PS5, as far as I'm concerned, is non-existent. I've never seen one in person, and until I see one, it doesn't exist. Um, but this is exciting for me because I also grew up with Crash Bandicoot. Now I can continue to play that series on the Xbox as well, as w- as well as all these other great titles. Um, I think the reassuring thing for me as a gamer is the fact that you could hear the excitement in his voice about the roadmap ahead that Activision Blizzard had. And to me, as someone who is now considering returning to a lot of these Blizzard Activision games that I grew up loving, that's exciting for me.
1: And just a disclaimer, I don't know if we mentioned at the top, this deal, they have the intent to acquire them. It's not officially approved yet. Uh, It's expected to be approved sometime between July 2022 and June 2023, uh, somewhere in that fiscal year for Microsoft. So we'll keep an eye on when it gets approved. But to talk a little bit more about the deal before we continue on down the line. So what does this mean, John? It obviously means all the studios, Blizzard, King, all the Call of Duty studios from Treyarch, Infinity Ward, uh, you have Raven over there doing Warzone, and a number of other studios now fall under that Microsoft umbrella, again, pending approval, but also a ton of IP. A lot of people know of the Blizzard IPs. You have Warcraft and Starcraft. Overwatch, Diablo, Uh, you look at Call of Duty is obviously the biggest one under the Activision umbrella. Um, Hearthstone over there as well with the kind of Warcraft IP. But John, there are so many others. There is a giant list of IPs, something like 30 or 40 different IPs that fall under there. And a lot of these you guys probably haven't heard in a very long time. Blur geometry wars for those who are a little bit older out there dj hero guitar hero those musical games that came with the instruments you have gun under them hexen is another one i've heard mentioned a few times king's quest john i used to play king's quest with my grandfather on like ms dos uh but that's an ip we really haven't (laughs) seen much of in recent years at all but i would love to see it come back the lost vikings is under them phantasmagoria pitfall uh you have prototype which is another really cool game under them Skylanders, Spyro is another big one. Crash Bandicoot, you mentioned. Uh, I just mean, there's so, so many IPs under this umbrella. And so many of them, I feel like we haven't had a game in like almost a decade, it feels like. Like, sure, Spyro, you had the collection. Crash, you had a game recently. But I would say probably 50 to 60% of these games, these IPs, we haven't had a recent game on in the last decade. So I think there's a lot that they can tap into on the back end as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's one of the cool things is um, You know, having read a lot of articles, a lot of interviews on this topic in preparation uh, for tonight's show, one of the really unique things that, that I've been reading is just the idea behind what constitutes a success, uh, a successful game for Activision Blizzard versus Microsoft. Activision Blizzard creates an IP, creates a game with the idea that that it's a $1 billion game, that the game has to be successful it has to make money it has to have a, a growing player base and has to hold on to that player base um which i feel like if anyone plays overwatch they understand the struggle um it, it it's a very high bar that they set for themselves where failure is not an option and that creates uh this this stressful environment that it's it has to be a a banger of a game it has to be you know, that that Metacritic 98 out of 100 rating. Like it has to be the game of the year where Microsoft is more willing to take a chance on something. Maybe it's a little bit more of a, a niche game. Maybe it's like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater where that game hasn't seen a new game in forever, but they get a remastered version of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, which for a lot of millennials was really exciting. Um, you know, things like that are... Uh, chances that Microsoft are more open to versus that style Blizzard Activision had, uh, they're more willing to take those risks. And there's already rumors that when this goes final, if it goes final, with this merger, Microsoft is looking at bringing back some of these titles, like you were saying, Joey, uh, that haven't had updates in forever. And I think that's very exciting, too, whether you're a millennial, whether you're Gen Z, whether you're Gen X. Whether you're a baby boomer and you were around during the golden age when everything started uh, and you're rocking the Atari, it doesn't matter. The fact is that some of these games that we grew up with that played a major role in our life have a chance of coming back, and that is very exciting as well.
1: It's huge. I mean, not only that, but people are also going to be freed from the reins of Call of Duty. Like over the past couple of years during the pandemic, we've seen so many studios like uh, Toys for Bob, for example. That's a studio that's done stuff with like Spyro. They've worked on Crash Bandicoot, but then they had turned into a Call of Duty support studio over the pandemic. And we've seen this happen with a number of other studios under the Blizzard and the Activision Blizzard umbrella. And that just, it kind of sucks, to be honest. Like you have so many IPs and they're just not being able to be worked on because you have to have this Call of Duty release every single year. And now you have Vanguard releasing and its sales are down 27% year over year based on Call of Duty titles. So is it really worth continuing to push a Call of Duty out every year? And then you have the Call of Duty League. People are building connections with these players. And then some of these players return, some not so good in different titles depending on who the developer is. So you see more turnover in the league. You see more turnover in the fans that watch the league. It just seems like, yes, it prints cash every single year. Yes, Call of Duty sells extremely well. Vanguard sales are down, but it's still the number one game selling in November and December. So it's doing very well sales-wise, even being down as a Call of Duty title. But overall, you're losing quality. The game's quality, the campaign is not as great, according to a lot of people. The multiplayer has way too many bugs. You have issues on Warzone now with people breaking the anti-cheat. Like There are just a number of issues because everything is always go, go, go. We need a title from every big major Call of Duty studio every three years, and they're on a three-year cycle, so you have a new title every single year. I think under Xbox, that doesn't become a thing anymore. I think Microsoft says, whoa, Nelly, let's slow down. Let's put a Call of Duty title out every two years and allow that room to breathe like we had in the golden era of Call of Duty, more or less. The Call of Duty Modern Warfare or Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, you had Modern Warfare 2, you had the Black Ops stuff. All of those Call of Duties are regarded as some of the best ones in franchise history. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that devs could relax a little bit more as they didn't have to
0: push for that single yearly release every single time. Yeah. And, and that's absolutely big is you don't let these games run their life cycle uh, when you're constantly pushing games out every year. The only thing you're doing is forcing the gamers to spend another 60 or the absurd $70 price point for a video game that gets updated every year. And, and it's it, it, it just it, it doesn't make you as a gamer feel good Uh and especially like the pro scene, Joey, that's something that, you know, you and I pay a lot of attention to the pro scene for Call of Duty. I mean, if you're pumping out a new game every year and you're changing things up every year, guess what? Every single pro player's job is on the line every year if they're able to adapt to a literally brand new game. It's not like Riot where they, you know, flip League of Legends on their head upside down, you know, once a year and they kind of patch it throughout the 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 season. It's a full brand new game, uh, and it comes with the same bugs, the same you know, emergency patches, and everything else that every single Call of Duty game has. Where you you give it two years, you give it three years, you give it time to breathe and work those kinks out. No Man's Sky is a great example here. Game launched, it was absolutely horrific. They patched it, and as it went on, it's now got that follower back, that 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 gamer community back supporting that game. Uh, Same thing with Cyberpunk uh, is another game came out. If you played on PC, congratulations, you had a great experience. You played on console eh, not so much, but that's the thing. Patches came out, gave it time to breathe. They fixed the issues and, and they were able to get the gamers back. When you put games out every single year in your franchise, you don't have a chance to do that. Broken products that don't get fixed fast enough, make the gamer community upset. And who knows? Maybe your sales might drop. Call, chances Call of Duty, it's not going to drop. It probably should if that's your your path going forward. But I am excited for Xbox takes on how they're going to handle Call of Duty going forward.
1: Absolutely. And they can't be forward and honest with it just yet because they technically can't have any hand in anything going on in Activision Blizzard. Uh, they really have to halt conversations at this point. We saw it when they acquired Bethesda as well. Uh, just because of the legal allegations and everything going on, they have to be independent companies until the deal is closed. So once it gets approved, assuming it does get approved, then we'll start to see more of that integration and more clear forward thinking uh, as far as what companies will look like or this company rather will look like moving forward. One of the other big things here, John, and one that a lot of people sleep on is the acquisition of King in the mobile gaming space. Uh, A lot of people look at mobile gaming as kind of that stepchild, the one who is not necessarily as big as console gaming or PC gaming, but rather it's the biggest. I mean, mobile gaming, it slides by a lot of people's minds, but it is the one bringing in the most revenue. It is the one touching the most devices. Uh, It is really the one that most people are playing most often. So looking at this acquisition, uh, I heard Candy Crush. I'm like, okay, King, Candy Crush. This was big, I don't know, five, seven, ten years ago. Uh, I don't even know when it came out, but it was big at one point. Like, all you heard was everyone playing Candy Crush, everyone's mother, everyone's sister, everyone was playing Candy Crush. Not me. I haven't heard Candy Crush in (laughs) so long. So I'm like, okay, is Candy Crush really worth, worth putting on this poster? You have Call of Duty, you have all these Activision titles, all these Blizzard titles, and then you have Candy Crush. Well, I looked into their numbers, John, Quarter three of 2021, so like your fall range, they made $652 million on that game alone in that quarter. Guys, I think it's safe to say that Candy Crush is very much alive. People are still crushing candy at a crazy rate. Um, But yeah, John, I mean, this is big in my opinion. Like it allows Microsoft to jump more into that mobile gaming space. You look at xCloud, they're trying to take more of their Xbox games and PC games to a mobile basis where they can kind of enable mobile adaptive controls. And we're seeing more and more of that on the titles they currently have. Who better to go to than a mobile game maker? And when you're looking at expanding your franchises like your Halo, your Gears of War, we've seen them try. We saw Minecraft Earth. It was all right. We saw Gears pop. It was all right. Both have been shut down since then. Microsoft has struggled to get on mobile devices outside of their office suite and outside of a couple apps like Xbox and Xbox Game Pass. So to get on there as a game, I think King is going to be vital in that area, Uh, as well as Activision's reach into Asia. We've seen Microsoft continue to try to build themselves up in Asia. They've met with a ton of Japanese and Chinese developers to try to get more of their games on Game Pass and really just Xbox as a console. Activision's one of those games that does very well in Asia. Overwatch's numbers are pretty high over there warcraft also pretty decent over in asia you look at call of duty call of duty mobile is the number one played game i think still in india it's up there with PUBG over there so activision has a lot of connections in gaming in asia that microsoft currently doesn't have so i think that is another one that a lot of people are sleeping on as far as why this
0: acquisition means so much yeah i mean and even if candy crush uh you know was a dead game if you will it, the the great thing with marketing is that you can still put that on there and instantly, even the non gamer, even the the casual mobile gamer gamer will see that and they'll make that connection. They will say, "Oh yeah, I remember Candy Crush. I remember playing that game. I had fun playing that game. Maybe I should pay attention to see what's going on here. Maybe I might find my next mobile game." Uh, Joey, like I even knew Candy Crush. I'm not a mobile gamer. I, I feel like we all know this by now. I, I don't I don't mobile game at all. I'd rather be on a PC or a console. But regardless, I still even knew about Candy Crush, uh, so, so that should tell you something. Like it, it's a major game that had a big impact, and yeah, I'm kind of surprised by those numbers. Also, <laughs> those are those yeah, are yeah,
1: big big money. <laughs> uh, mobile gaming very expensive, lots of money being moved in that area. But yeah, Candy Crush still around, people still crushing.
0: He'll be back in a second. <laughs> Happens from time to time. Discord, appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it hasn't happened in a while. But but you you know uh, Discord servers can can be a little buggy from time to time. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, last time this happened actually, it, it's funny. It's we'll do story time while we're waiting here. Uh, Joey and I were the uh, co casters for the Washington Justice Overwatch League team uh, for last season, uh, so we were doing their uh, co stream on YouTube, and there was one game where. Uh Joey's power went out twice during the game. Uh, but it was a little bit easier because we had the gameplay to throw up there while we waited for for Joey's computer to reboot. And, and see, there you go. Just like that. Uh <laughs> now you get the awkward split screen because, you know, no, nothing is set up for for just one person on the show. Uh, let's see here. Uh we are gonna make a quick change. We're we're doing it live, and this is great. So I I have a feeling. He lost power is what here. uh, Yes. uh, His internet crashed is what I am being told. Uh, So unfortunately, Joey's internet crashed there. So as soon as I get this fix, we will continue on with the show. Let's see here. Almost there. Cool transition. There we go. All right. So we have the one camera mode that is horribly clipped as we wait. Uh, Joey gone viewership up by a hundred. No, not, not so much. Um, So uh, essentially where the next step of this conversation goes is uh, Bobby Kodak, uh, the current CEO of Activision of Activision Blizzard. It's been with Activision for over 30 years. Obviously this is a name that if you're following what's going on with Activision Blizzard uh, is uh, obviously the big name in the, in the, Toxic workplace in the sexual harassment allegations. Uh, a guy who's been turning a blind eye. And really not doing anything to change the culture in Blizzard Activision. Uh, so, <laughs> Joey bought the Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No. No, he didn't. Because, you know, profit. I, I will agree with him. I do think the merger overall is good uh, for uh, for Blizzard Activision uh, in, in that merger. But nonetheless, when it comes to Bobby Kodak stating on... Uh, Right now, the reports are is he will serve as long as Phil Spencer and Microsoft want him to serve, whether it's through the transition period, whether they ask him to stay on in a smaller role. We don't know yet. And that's something that's going to be figured out at the higher level a little bit later. Uh, This is a deal that could take several years to close. Obviously, uh, we've already heard reports of the federal government wanting to take a look at it. Uh, obviously, you know, people are going to think there's, that there's antitrust issues with the deal. That's way above our pay grade. We're not even going to go into it. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it is something that has the possibility of going forward uh, to complete the deal. And then the question comes on, does Bobby Kodak stay? Personally, uh, you know, we both think, Joey and myself, that he's gone. And, and honestly, he has to go. Uh, you cannot stay in a role as the leader of a major company like Activision and then with the merger Activision Blizzard and turn a blind eye to any kind of workplace harassment, workplace abuse, um, you know, any kind of workplace toxicity. As a leader, you cannot allow that to happen. If it does happen, it is your responsibility to cut it as soon as possible. Get rid of the people that are doing it. Get rid and, and discipline or do whatever you have to do to cut that toxic nature out of your workplace, because otherwise you're going to have what we currently have, where the gamers are rebelling against Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard stock has absolutely tanked prior to uh, the... Hold on a second. My DMs are blowing up uh, like absolutely crazy right now on Discord. Uh, So it's actually kind of funny. Um, Let's see here it's very difficult when like all the screens are popping up in front of your face um so yeah it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how microsoft handles it obviously we think bobby Kodak's is going to be out um but again that is something to see in the future um up next the next big question is uh oh i think we already hit on that what happens to battle.net everyone's favorite or least favorite launcher uh obviously it's it's something that uh, is a love hate relationship within the Blizzard community. Uh, with the Bethesda launcher, it was kept as an option for Bethesda games. So uh, we're leaning towards the idea that chances are we're going to see that as well. As now, Discord is nice enough to exit out of the camera because I'm in there by myself and it was not cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh,. You know what? For fun, to close it out, clue, are you still around? If you are, hop back into that phone call here, uh, that Discord call with us, and uh, we'll, we'll. I'm curious to get some of your takes here as well, since I know you pay attention to the gaming and uh, universe as well. I mean, you listen to Joey's pings nonstop here, uh, so let me go ahead and let's see here. Because uh, I, I just love how Discord just times people out for for doing this. I'm gonna go ahead and do this, uh, Prophet. If you are around, if you want to hop on that call here, and we'll try to get some some cameras back here. But and, until they join in, we'll just we'll just uh, we'll do it live. There you are. Appreciate, buddy. Hi, thanks for hopping back on. As <laughs> so we're kind of just winging this and and doing it live and sure. whatnot, you know. You uh, know, Joey
2: just died. I guess I don't know. No, his his
0: his internet like just mm. absolutely just dumpster fired. True. Um. So what I'm actually going to do is we can't do it that way. So we are going to go here. Uh, and because our names are completely wrong, that's, that's we're going to edit it live because I can do that true uh let's see here we're gonna go with the profit wow. boom Fancy. bada being my new co-host and a former interview <laughs> earlier Lighten jackson thanks for hopping back on um i i want to know your take on this obviously you know we first met playing overwatch overwatch is a, right. is a blizzard title overwatch 2 is completely wrapped up in red tape it's embattled right. it's one of the things that was driving the stock prices down as well What's your take as a gamer who kind of transitioned away from Overwatch because it started to feel like it was dying out because it wasn't having that support? What is your take on this acquisition for Microsoft uh, acquiring Activision Blizzard?
2: I think it's a good move for the company. I think it's a bad move for the industry. I think the more super companies you have, the worse it is for the industry, again, because you have sort of that centralization, and then you have less competition, blah, 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 market, economics, whatever. (laughs) Um, And then I, so I think it's really good for the company as a whole to have that fresh start. I will say, I do think Bobby Kodak needs to go. I don't think there's any way you can have that sort of dysfunction and that whole lawsuit, that sexual harassment lawsuit that went through. I don't think there's any way you can keep the head of the company after that. And so I think he does have to go, but I think it's absolutely better for the company than it would be, for them, because again, anything Microsoft touches turns to gold. I think that's a
0: given in the industry. It definitely feels that way as well. Uh, so I guess the next question is: is obviously we don't have Joey here uh, to right. to kind of give a counterpoint here, but you know, if you've watched the show or listened to the show, uh, Joey is a big supporter of Xbox and rightfully so. Um, but this raises a lot of questions for Sony. This raises raises a lot of questions for PlayStation Five owners uh, who have stayed in that Sony ecosystem. You know, they have a chance of possibly losing Spyro, uh, of Crash Bandicoot and some other titles that Activision Blizzard had deals with Sony with. Now, obviously, uh, Phil Spencer came out uh, through Twitter uh, and said, you know, had good calls with the leaders at Sony confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Blizzard Activision, or Activision Blizzard, uh, and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry, and we value our relationship now, The funny thing here with this
3: mm-hmm.
0: okay, is you know in in recent years, we've uh kind of seen uh these gaming studios take a more gamer friendly approach, sure. and I'm not used to really seeing Microsoft and Sony play along, or really Sony play along with anybody right. nicely uh but here's Xbox kind of giving that olive branch saying, "Hey, look, we understand." that just like in our Bethesda deal, there were deals already done. We're going to honor those deals. Um, I, I guess my question to you, Clue, is, you know, as a gamer in general, uh, that has to make you feel pretty good, especially if, if you're in the PlayStation ecosystem.
2: I think it absolutely does, and I think it is sort of a comfort to, where hopefully we start to see less of these console exclusives, where you have, I don't think it's, they're going to go in entirely, but I do think, welcome back, Joey. I do think it is uh, something that it's good to see to have that cooperation between the companies for sure. And as gamers, that's all we want. We just want to play games.
0: Absolutely. Everyone, welcome Joey back. His router is alive. That was probably the most awkward segment I have ever had to do in my life. Um,
1: Honestly, I think it was my Ethernet port. Oh, so my internet never went out like my internet and I could get it on my phone and my speed test and everything. So I think it was something with my ethernet port when I ran troubleshooting diagnostics. So hmm. yeah, I don't know. But Clue, thanks for hopping back on Welcome. Prophet Jackson, whatever you want to be called on here. Man of many names. N-
0: not a clue as we originally saw him. Joe, do, do we, do yeah, do we want to keep him on or do we want to keep let him on? at this Okay. Point. Well, we'll sure. go ahead and keep him sure. on. I'm going to change your name back to, <laughs> to courtside then. A
2: nice
1: name yet Joey. It's a good old time around here. That was a little bit messier than we were hoping. Uh, thank you, internet. Uh, and my beautiful
0: ISP. You have a whole
2: meeting in 15 minutes for the record. (laughs) Just, you
0: know. Uh, so Joey, um, I, I know you're there in chat as well. We're we're currently talking about that relationship uh between uh Microsoft and Sony and what this means for the PlayStation 5. We went over Phil Spencer's uh message on twitter his commitment to honor those uh pre-ranged agreements kind of like what we saw with that bethesda deal and xbox um with their partnership with sony as well um but i i think what we're talking about is right now the sony fan base the the ps5 fan base uh because they're not feeling so hot sony came out with a pretty strong statement as well saying that they they really hope that Microsoft is going to continue after Microsoft already came out and said they will continue those agreements. Um, So I I guess that that's where we are. Kind of curious, uh, your take on that as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like a lot of people are clowning on Sony now because of that statement, because of the way the Bethesda stuff was handled. They came in here. Xbox honored the agreements. You see Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, It's not officially announced yet, but it sounds like it's going to be like March 23rd, March 24th when that one launches. Uh, we saw Deathloop in the fall i think it was a september launch if i remember correctly so the agreements were honored and then from there starfield never was said that it was coming to playstation 5 or playstation 4 so it's still going to be that way it's just going to stay on xbox so the biggest question here and you just brought up the statement from phil spencer is call of duty i mean this is the biggest franchise not necessarily worldwide because china doesn't really play call of duty but as far as at least the western hemisphere comes It is giant. It is a big moneymaker between Call of Duty and really like Warzone that falls under that umbrella. It's something around 30 to 40% of PlayStation's revenue just from those games. So if I'm Sony, I'm terrified. I'm like, okay, we have great games in God of War, in Horizon Zero Dawn, and all these other exclusives, but Call of Duty is kind of that bread and butter game that really pulls in so much revenue for us. To lose our big cut, whatever it be, 30% or whatever on that would be a huge dagger to Sony.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and I, I guess the the next question is, who does Microsoft acquire next? They're just gobbling everyone up right now. I mean, it, if this deal goes through, I mean, it's going to be absolutely historic and have a massive impact on on the gaming landscape going forward. I think my one question that I have about that is, when do we start to see these
2: anti anti monopoly laws if they do come into play in the gaming industry?
0: Because Microsoft is a massive part of the market share at this point. I, I don't think monopoly is the correct term um, because, like, the NFL is a monopoly. It's a legal sure. monopoly. The federal government okayed it. Uh, there really isn't anything else competing with the NFL. Same thing with Major League Baseball, the NHL. Uh, at least here, you still have options of other gaming studios in North America. I think the bigger issue is going to come down to antitrust laws. Which, right. uh, again, way above our pay grade. Uh, yeah. n- not a lawyer. Uh, Jackson, rumor has it, that's what you're going for. Uh, so maybe <laughs> we'll ask go. you in like 10 years when you're out of law school. A F- few more go, years. If you go business law. But, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, monopoly is definitely not the correct term to use. Right. Um, but uh, it's the antitrust thing. I mean, we've already, like I said, the federal government already made a statement. They're going to look at the, the deal. Obviously, they have to. It's going to have a massive impact on the economy. On, on the stock market, on everything. Uh, so obviously it's going to come out, come under a magnifying glass. The federal government, I guarantee you, uh, there'll be court cases on it as well. Uh, it, it's going to take a year or two to probably hammer out. The, the, this idea that it's going to get done in like four months is absolutely absurd. There's no way an almost $70 billion deal gets done in four months. That's just not happening.
1: Well, and the big thing with Monopoly as well that I think a lot of people, at least on Twitter, are overlooking is even with Activision Blizzard coming under the umbrella, Xbox is still number three when it comes to revenue. Sony's ahead of them and Tencent is ahead of them. When you look at acquisitions, Tencent and Embracer have both made over 100 between them just last year alone. So you're looking at so many different other moving parts. You have Amazon and Google getting involved with Luna and Stadia. You have Apple with Apple Arcade. So the gaming sphere, more or less, is just giant right now. And if you pull in the mobile gaming sphere as well, Microsoft is just a tiny little portion. Like, sure, they have Bethesda. They have Xbox First Party. They'll eventually have Activision Blizzard if it goes through. But it's still not very big on a global scale yet. So they should have plenty of room to move in that area. But like John said, the antitrust stuff, that opens up a few more doors. But when you see deals like Disney and Fox getting approved recently, you see Sony being able to pick up Crunchyroll and Funimation. That's 97% of the anime industry. I mean, if you want to talk Monopoly, that's about the closest thing we've seen approved to one yet. So there's a number of other arguments back and forth, but overall, I think they'll be fine on the monopoly part, the antitrust part. While I think it will go through, I think that's where most of the scrutiny comes as well.
0: And I think you know something that is some is comparable but not identical is the Sprint and T-Mobile merger. Um, there, there's a lot of correlations to how that went down because that was a a massive multi-billion-dollar merger between those phone carriers as well. And you can make the argument that that could be. Uh, A monopoly uh, argument as well, because the fact that there's like four phone carriers in North America that you can choose from and two of the biggest ones are merging. Um, You can make a big argument with that, but that still went through the federal scrutiny and was still federally approved as well. Uh, So I I think that kind of gives me that green light that this deal is going to go forward. So I'm not 100% sure where we are in here, John. (laughs) Uh, So so fun fact, the reason why it's not a monopoly is because these publishers are still on the market. Uh, Ah. So so we're we're at that bullet point. Joey, since you've been gone for so long, I'll let you run down the list.
1: Yeah, just to mention a few (laughs) other publishers because everyone's like, oh, who's Microsoft going to buy next? Or is EA going to get in the game? Is Sony going to buy someone? So running a couple numbers, Sega is going for $4 billion around currently with their market cap. Capcom, known for fighting games mainly, as well as Red and Evil. Uh, $5 billion over there. Square Enix, the Final Fantasy series, $6 billion. Konami, with a lot of their vacant IPs right now, at $6 billion as well. Ubisoft, that's your Assassin's Creed. Uh, Your Division, Tom Clancy, Splinter Cell, they're going for about $8 billion. Bandai Namco, currently at $15 billion. Take-Two Interactive, that's where GTA falls. Borderlands, NBA 2K, that one's around $20 billion right now plus the Zynga deal they just bought. So that's another $12 billion being added on. So somewhere around 32 to $35 billion is probably what that one ends up. Uh, Epic Games is around $30 billion, and then EA currently coming in at $40 billion. Now, keep in mind, if you look at this Activision Blizzard deal, Microsoft paid 46% more than what the total right here was. So a lot of these are just the initial price, and a lot of them are going to go for billions more than they're currently listed at market-wise. So That's something to keep in mind, too, uh, when you look at Sony, they don 't really have a ton of cash on hand uh, it 's around sixteen billion dollars right now, and they 're in over a hundred something billion dollars of debt as well. So when you look at what they 're actually going to be able to buy, a lot of people are like, "Oh buy take two, buy e a they 're not really on the cards for Sony right now. Um, if they want to buy in someone, they could look at Sega again, four billion, they could look at Capcom, which I think would be a really good investment for them. Uh, you look at them already buying into evo they 're starting to buy up fighting game competitions. Well, if you're going to turn to who makes the best fighting games, Capcom is definitely one up there. Uh, And then Square Enix, they already pay millions of dollars for exclusivity for stuff like Final Fantasy. Uh, They're also getting that Forsaken game that comes out this year, or Forspoken rather. Uh, A lot of different Square Enix games do go exclusive to the PlayStation platform, even if it is only for a year or two. So that is definitely one to look at as well for them at around $6 billion. But higher than those, I I really think it's out of their
0: umbrella at the current moment. Absolutely, Joe. But before we hop on to our next topic, uh, Jackson does have a hall meeting for his dorm. Like, let's not forget he is still a college student living oh, in the Steve. dorms. Uh, Jackson, I just want to thank you again for hopping on real quick during that internet outage. Uh, it was it was great that you stuck around. I appreciate great. that. Uh, flying solo is never fun when it's done unexpectedly. Uh, so I just want to give a big thank you to you for hopping back on, and we will uh, let you go so you don't get uh, in trouble with your RA. Ew. It's a good plan. Gotta yeah. gotta stay on the good side. Fingers crossed, Joey's internet.
2: Yeah, not in my for real.
0: <laughs> yeah, my Ethernet port. True. All right, Profit. Thanks for joining us again. We'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you later. Safe. What
1: a night, guys. What a night. Two <laughs> interviews with the Prophet. Not just one, but we had him on twice for two interviews. One talking about himself, one filling in for me because my <laughs> internet or ethernet port or router or something is going haywire. See, guys, it's not just my Halo play. It's actually the internet as well. Um, but, yeah, in the end, thank you for filling in, John. You did a splendid job when I was able to tune Lies. in. Lies. Lies. Uh, I didn't get a catch the first half of your fill-in but i'm sure it was wonderful that smile alone will carry a show um but well at least not for the podcast listeners i guess they can't really do much with that (laughs) um but for the live ones here on twitch it has been phenomenal uh the editing for this will be fun next up john just a couple trailers and we're gonna wrap things up here shortly Uh, The new Horza or Forza, the new Horizon Forbidden West trailer came out today. Uh, One thing we're seeing is PlayStation trying to spin that cycle back into their favor as we head into February, where they do have some nice title releases. The biggest one for them being Horizon Forbidden West. As far as first party goes, let's take a look at what this one holds.
0: And obviously with game trailers, it's going to stay muted uh, because of those nice uh, DMCA violations that we do not want to rack up on our Twitch page. Uh so this is going to be where our podcast listeners unfortunately uh will have that awkward silence as we are going through here but joy you know we can talk a little bit about the game while we take a look at this beautiful trailer. Uh graphics absolutely stunning but but this is a game that has a lot of hype around it. And uh if you're a a Sony fan if you are a person who lives and breathes the Sony ecosystem Uh, This is something that you can definitely look up to if the Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard news is bringing you down. This game looks absolutely phenomenal. The PlayStation 5 is a beautiful piece of gaming hardware as well. And this game has the possibility of being probably one of the best graphically intense games on the market when it comes out.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at Sony killing it in one area in particular, they do well in a lot of areas, but one in particular is that action-adventure genre. We've seen it with God of War. We saw it with the original Horizon game. Now Horizon Forbidden West taking it even a step further, adding more water mechanics to it as well. You have some new tribes coming in, some giant mechanical beasts coming in as well uh, from the original game, but it feels like the scale even got upped in this one in Forbidden West. So overall, John, I think it looks phenomenal. I will be honest, this was one of the games that excited me most, or at least the original, rather, on PS4. I eventually got it on PC on Steam, and it just didn't suck me in as much as I wanted it to, and it's a game I think I need to give a second chance to. I really love the idea. I love the environment. I love the enemy types that come in and the variety with them. Uh, It just didn't suck me in as much as I wanted. The second game, though, again, it's kind of reinvigorating that feel, that want to dive into this world to learn more about the lore here. Uh, So I think I'm going to have to go back and give the original game a second try here soon.
0: Which is something, you know, we encourage old gamers to do. If there was a game that, you know, you liked but overall just didn't catch your attention, go back and try it out. Maybe now it, it, you're in a place where, you know, you might be able to connect with the message of the game or or the characters of the game. There's no harm in going back and playing a game you already own, especially if you're looking for something to do. Uh, so, so that's something that's really cool. And, uh, you know, it's a game I never really played. It's a type of game that doesn't really... Uh, Jump out to me, but uh, it's just one of those things where graphically it looks great. I know there's a lot of hype around this game uh, and the series itself has done absolutely fantastic as well. I've watched people play it. I haven't played it, but I I can understand the hype around it absolutely from there we can go into
1: our next trailer and that is the new lego star wars game star wars fans we've been waiting for this one it was originally announced in may 2020 we can go ahead and roll the trailer here eventually getting that release date of october 2020 and it got shifted multiple times i think it ended up being four or five in the end uh, as far as different dates that we did end up getting now we have an official one once again it is april 5th 2022 and it will be coming here very soon john this looks epic Uh, As far as Lego Star Wars games go, I feel like this is the best graphics we've ever seen in a Lego game in general. Uh, The Star Wars one being that complete saga, having all nine of those main uh, movies involved, as well as some other side missions and side characters here and there, uh, like The Mandalorian, like Solo, the Star Wars story a number of those other ones as well, Entwined. And there could be even more DLC down the road. Um, But for now, John, I think this looks phenomenal. I think the world map view looks really cool. There are so many different planets to visit. Uh, It's not open world per se, but it does have that semi-open world aspect where it's not just linear mission after linear mission. You now have that option to choose to go to these hub planets, to go to these different planets that are way off of your main story, more or less. So I like the freedom that it does introduce. And it kind of allows you to be that LEGO Star Wars really fantastical character in this universe, but doing your own thing while still completing the objectives.
0: Yeah. And, and Lego games are known for adding that, uh, that humor element into it as well. Well, yes, star Wars is, is a beloved franchise uh, that to this day is still gaining more and more fans as they create new universes uh, and and new eras of star Wars. If you will, Uh, this is a game that has a lot of people excited. Even if you think Lego games are for kids, uh, these games are actually a lot of fun, r- regardless if you're a kid or an adult, uh, and 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 the humor they add into it just brings a whole different element to it. I mean, this is all nine episodes of the Skywalker Saga, so we're talking four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. Uh, you can play it in chronological order, you can play it in timeline order, you can do it any way you. I actually don't think you can do that actually, because it looks like certain planets were locked, so you may have to play it in a certain order. But regardless. <laughs> You can play some of those moments from your favorite Star Wars movies, Lego uh, which is really cool. I- I'm looking forward to it. I-, I know we've been talking and hoping to see more information about this game coming out, and I think it looks great. I'm super excited for it.
1: Absolutely. Definitely one to look forward to there. Hoping to play some co-op as well. Unfortunately, no online co-op, uh, so maybe you guys will get a couch stream from John and I's couch Uh, as we play some of this together in the future. Uh, Next up, one more trailer for you guys, and that is The Cuphead Show known as a game from Studio MDHR. It eventually launched on Xbox and PC. And now I believe it's everywhere. I think it's on PlayStation and Nintendo Switch at this point as well. They do have a show, one of many video game shows coming to TV. Uh, This one going through a partnership with Netflix. John, I love the animation of this game and I love the animation translated over to the show. It kind of has that classic Disney feel, uh, but it also just the animation, the emotion, everything going on here, I think it's just a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: and... You know, normally this is where I would talk about how much I hate like uh, TV and movie adaptation of video games, but Arcane has really kind of changed my mind. Uh, granted, you know, Wright had a heavy hand in it, and I think that was a big thing. But I feel like Cuphead has a chance of being that next uh, successful game crossover to Netflix, to your TV, to like, with, you know, possibly to a uh, you know a movie format. Um, I have to be, I have to be excited. I mean, Arcane did that. Uh, and you know, so kudos to Wright and Arcane the game. If you haven't watched Arcane, definitely check it out. But Joey, I'm excited for this. I'm going to check out. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to check out Cuphead on Netflix when it releases in February. It's insane.
1: Definitely worth checking out. And if you guys haven't played the game yet, it does have co-op and single player. It is very hard, um, but definitely worth checking out. Very cool animations, storylines, plots, bosses, and all that goodness over there as well. With that, we'll slide into the Game Pass update. We do this one bi-weekly. A couple new games coming to Game Pass. Uh, January 18th, you have Danganronpa, the trigger-happy Havoc anniversary. John, this is like Five Nights at Freddy's Japanese Bear Edition. Uh, super creepy. It's definitely got some weird vibes to it. I know Ellie is a big fan. Ellie Azuki, uh, who sometimes stops by chat. You also have one of my indie games of 2022 to look out for, Nobody Saves the World. That one also dropping both these on cloud console and PC as of january 18th so they are available now if you guys are game pass subscribers additionally january 20th that is today for those live with us here on twitch uh they dropped a number of other new titles death store my indie game of 2021 i don't know if you've played this one john but i'm going to keep pushing you to play it as i'm going to push every single one of our listeners who are game pass subscribers or not uh guys this one's available i think everywhere now it's on playstation i believe it's on switch too pc and xbox Phenomenal game, easily my indie game of 2021. Definitely worth playing through. You have the Hitman Trilogy. You have Paparazzi, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Extraction and Windjammers 2, all coming to cloud console and PC. And then you also have Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, the deluxe edition being added to PC as well. It is already on console. And last but not least, for the newest edition, January 27th, is Taiko no Tatsujin, the drum master game coming to console and PC as well. Uh, John, I know you and I have had the pleasure of playing that in an arcade setting. Uh, I believe you in a more traditional arcade setting as well. I love the idea of this, but I don't know how to play it without the drum.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of button mashing is is what I have a feeling it's going to be, and that's going to be terrible. Look, in all honesty, if you have access uh, to a Japanese-style arcade Uh, where you live, uh, like in Northern Virginia, uh, round one. Uh, They do not sponsor the show, but uh, we would be open to it. Uh, Free tokens are always appreciated. Uh, They have a lot of uh, Japanese style arcade games in there, like these rhythm games, Uh, and this is one of them. It's a fun, fun time. Uh, Again, if you're in the Northern Virginia uh, DMV area, Katsukon, one of the anime and gaming conventions here in this area, uh, they have a full ballroom dedicated to uh, Asian-style games like these rhythm games, like DDR, like a lot of these games that came over to North America from Japan, from Korea, from China, from all these uh, other Asian countries as well, uh, really kind of opening the door to these games that Western gamers never really had a chance to experience. It's really cool. I, I can't recommend checking out... Uh, these kinds of games uh, at an arcade or whether you want to play it on Xbox Game Pass. It's a lot of fun.
1: So check those out, guys. Again, that last one dropping a little bit later. The rest of these currently available on Game Pass for PC and console. couple things to mark your calendar for coming up next week. Elder Scrolls Online for the players who are playing or are interested in playing. There is a new global reveal event scheduled for January 27th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're a soccer fan, same day, same time, January 27th at 3 p.m., the UFL Worldwide Gameplay Reveal. Uh, We've heard about FIFA and whatever the new name is going to end up being. We've heard about Pro Evolution Soccer and it going free. And we continue to see different moves in the soccer space. One of the next big competitors coming up is UFL. We'll see what they have to offer again, January 27th, 3 p.m. for both this and ESO. Last but not least, Sean, we have gone a little over today due to my internet mishaps but we do have LCS and LEC just to touch on them briefly over in the LEC we had a pretty strong super week going on a lot of teams looking pretty good overall but two standing above the rest at least so far that is Rogue and Fnatic currently at 3 and 0 oh. then followed by them we have a couple teams in the 2 and 1 range they include Mad Lions G2 Esports and Misfits Gaming before we drop down to 1 and 2 tied for sixth place SK Gaming XL and newcomer team BDS and then down in last place currently at 0 and 3 is Astralis who was down there last season as well as your LEC super team Team Vitality coming out strong with a nice 0 and 3 to start things off.
0: Yeah, super teams crashing and burning. Who uh, who ever thought that would be a thing? TSM Yeah, not a pretty
1: look for the B team, uh, but hopefully they eventually get on their path. They're a very talented roster over there, stacked full of talent. They just have to get it together, and that's one of the issues with bringing superstars together. Everyone seems very opinionated about the way the game should be played out, so we'll take time for that to meld together and become a team-wide philosophy moving forward. Over to the LCS where points don't matter and standings don't either uh, because we are currently in the lock-in tournament and spring season has not even kicked off for them yet. Uh, we do have some standings though. Over in Group A, Cloud9 is flying high at three and zero. One hundred thieves stealing that second place spot at two and one. FlyQuest on a quest for average at two and two. TSM a little bit below at one and two. And the Golden Guardians while they shine brightly, not so much on the Rift currently at zero and three. Over in Group B, Evil Geniuses plotting their way into the spring season at a 3-0 start. Team Liquid rising at 2-1. Dignitas, oh my gosh, what is their new name? Dignitas, is it Quantum Pay? I didn't even know that was a thing. Did I miss that?
0: Yeah. Dignitas, uh,
1: I think Quantum Pay at 1-1. Apparently making more news off the Rift than on. Counter Logic Gaming at (laughs) 1-2. And and then Immortals Progressive coming in at 0-3. What are these names? I missed a few of these deals coming through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that is a
0: thing now. I figured I'd check out their page on Liquidpedia and it wasn't there. It wasn't updated yet. So there you go. Yeah, that that's an interesting one. I'm not really sure how I feel about that, to be honest. It's kind of like TSM with uh it's like FTX TSM where it's like it's just it's like TSM's like, hey, we go by three letters, let's add three more letters because that's cool and we'll cover up. And anything. that one's
1: not even on here. Like I think no. that's an official one that went through.
0: <laughs> it is. Like Come
1: an official on, Ryan. especially for League. What a mess. What a mess. LOL Come on. You've got rid of your fantasy application. Now you can't get the standings right. Come on. Right. You do a lot of things, right? This standings page is not one of them. Damn. Um, but okay, John, what are your thoughts on the lock in tournament so far? I hate it. I'll be honest. <laughs> I did not tune in for a lot of it. Uh, I checked out a couple games. I think I watched some cloud nine, some 100 thieves, uh, overall with it, not really meaning too much outside of players getting a little cash bonus here and there. And so many rosters, not being the real roster that's going to start for spring. I really haven't been that interested in it as of yet.
0: I think that's my thing is if you're going to introduce a turn, a preseason tournament that has no impact on standings, no point impact, no champion points, no get me to world's impact whatsoever. And you're going to sub in your Academy team or half of your Academy team. Why am I going to watch? Like, yes, I'm going to tune in for the cloud nine game, obviously as a fan of the organization, but I'm not going to tune in for all the games. Like Normally, I would sit down and watch a good majority of them live if I'm available to. If not, I'll go back and watch the VOD. But with these, there's no point. There's no point. It's not the starting rosters. Even for Cloud9, it's not the starting roster, even though they're 3-0. I can't get excited for a tournament that has zero impact on anything in the standings, on anything for Worlds, on anything. It's just another... Chance to just, I guess, play this crazy new patch for the season. But other than that, absolutely pointless. Nobody wants to tune in to watch pros fear the patch out. That's why they have their streams uh, and practices and scrimmages. No one wants to watch on Twitch, on YouTube, on whatever platform they're watching uh, LCS games on and watch pros struggle to figure out this new patch in a tournament that has zero impact on anything.
1: And I think just one more brief thing to mention there is LCS got a lot of scrutinism this last week comparing their viewership to LEC. And while I do think the LEC is a much higher level production, we talked about it last week, I think they sell their show, they sell their storylines a lot better on social media platforms prior to the matches as well. I think one of the other big things here in that comparison that kind of gyps the LCS in a sense is the fact that they have this tournament going on where nothing really matters uh, outside of pro players getting that bonus. People like John and I, who even follow the scene pretty closely, are not going to watch every single match because not that much is on the line versus the LEC, where now we have two teams at 3-0. We have an idea of what those top contending teams are, how that super team of vitality looks so far early in the season as well. So there were a lot more questions answered than questions given in the LEC versus the LCS. And I think that's one of the reasons we do see such a drastic change in viewership as well. I think that just about does it for the show, though. John, again, being a champion there, carrying that segment where my internet went out. Uh, Phenomenal interview at the top of the show with The Prophet coming on from Morningside University Esports as their athlete. Uh, They're in the mid lane for that team and talking us through what it meant as a high school athlete going into college Some of what that balance looks like and some of the things to look forward to there as well. And then giving us a debut of that new season of League of Legends, uh, where John and I haven't really taken to the rift as of yet, but expect to struggle when we eventually do. At least now we'll be going with some tips from an expert. From there, we went into some gaming news and talked about Activision Blizzard and that big acquisition that Microsoft put in this week. Again, everything pending approval, but we gave some insight into what we think things are going to happen, as well as some quotes from Phil Spencer and a few other execs as well then we went into a couple other things as far as what current market shares are. If we do see an acquisition from a Microsoft, from a Sony, from anyone else trying to get into the acquiring market of gaming, looked at some new trailers, talked to game pass, and then eventually wrap things up with some things to look forward to as well as LCS and LEC updates. John, I think this has been a very, very full show. And again, thank you for filling in as a solo slash adding the profit back in during that little window there as well.
0: I figured it'd be good entertainment. Why not? Why not bring him back? He was in the chat. He was sticking around. We can't get enough of of the profit, if you will. Always will be clued to me. Oh, I, I just can't do it. Nation, that is going to do it for this incredible <laughs> edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, head on over to patreon.com slash OTN. Consider becoming a part of the Overtime Network. In return, you'll get access to exclusive content that nobody else in the world can get unless they are a part of OTN Media. If you haven't already done so, make sure you follow the show here on Twitch to catch the live version of the show. If you listen to the show in our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play and anywhere else you can find an RSS feed for podcasts. Just look up Level Up Podcast and we will be there for you. Joey, our community is awesome. We love our community. It is growing every single day and we love to hear from them. Joey, where can our community go and our listeners go to reach out to us?
1: absolutely level up nation otn community check us out on twitter that's at level up live L V L U P live in addition to that you can follow the umbrella company otn media on twitter and facebook at otn media as well as over on instagram at otn underscore media last but not least give us a like maybe even one of those juicy twitch prime subs over here on twitch twitch twitch.tv forward slash otn media this show level up live
0: thursdays at 8 p.m eastern time thanks again for tuning in absolutely again big thank you to jackson casper's of morningside esports follow him on social media that is at one true profit that is at m side esports for the university as well follow them on twitch it's the same handle there as well that is going to do it for us today make sure you tune in next thursday on the 27th as we talk the and grace in gaming and esports news do your ears and eyes a favor hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of level up live is ready for your entertainment pleasures We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level level up. up.